turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. What a weekend. Uh, If you're uh, just tuning in, obviously the uh, tragedy and the, uh, gosh, the terrible images out of uh, Israel, horrendous. And uh, we'll have more to say on that in a moment, but uh, just mostly at this point, prayers Prayers up uh, for all the people in Israel, and especially for those families that have either lost a loved one, and there's hundreds and hundreds now, I think they're saying more than a thousand, uh, and uh, hundreds of um, hostages. And so, man alive, uh, praying for those families, uh, especially, and uh, as Israel goes forward, um, there's, I, you know, people have said it's like their 9-11, uh, it feels even worse in a way, uh, as bad as 9-11 was. The images of individuals going house to house in and and slaughtering uh, Israelis because they are Israelis. I you know I mean it's just um, beyond belief, beyond really beyond understanding, beyond belief. And um, animals that uh, animals do that it's, it's terrible. So um, we pray for Israel and we you know encourage uh, them to defend their nation. And uh, there'll be lots of ways that that's going to happen and, and we can help. So, but we, it brings me to this. I watched uh, Donald Trump's speech in New Hampshire and he actually read that poem. It's kind of a, I don't know, a word poem, almost like a song. Uh, um, uh, I guess it's a poem um, called the snake about a woman that takes in a snake and the snake bites her. And she says, what'd you expect? I was a snake. And I, I was reminded, I thought I was going to talk about this. I've been talking about this, but I was going to talk about this anyway, but now I'm really going to hammer home on it. And that is what you need to know today is the open border uh, is at this point, it it truly is not just a betrayal of uh, America, but it is um, traitorous. Uh, you know, if you go and look at um, our friend Todd Benzman's book, Todd Benzman, of course, at the Center for Immigration Studies, and he wrote a whole book. Uh, I think it was Bombardier Press. I'll have to look that up. But he he wrote a whole book on um, the uh, national security implications uh, of the border problem. It's called America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. Now, Benzman comes at this because he's a national security expert. That's actually his background. And so he's at the border studying the border first and foremost because he's a national security expert. And what he's saying is you've got the border open and you're letting in uh, uh, adult-aged men from all over the Middle East, from all over Africa, from all over the world, Afghanistan, other places. They're, and they're they're all coming in, and there's no vetting of them. There's no stopping them. There's no reason. When you watched Hamas plan the the planning that took place in order to uh, to do the horrendous raids and the horrendous killing, that was not amateur hour. That was not minor league. That was people that knew how to plan something really horrendous, and they did it. They had money. They had smarts they had technology they did have weapons 
but they had what they needed. They got what they needed and they were not dumb. Say what you want. And that's the, you, do you really believe that those people that planned that killing and others like them are not saying, um, wait, we could get people into America. We can get people into the United States and they can be legally in the United States. We can place our people in the United States where they can work and get benefits and otherwise settle in and they'll have legal status. They'll download the app that Joe Biden is giving out. They'll get given a status hearing in two or three or four years. Are you kidding me? This is great. This is fantastic. What a deal. What you need to know right now is the our open border is not a national, it's not just a national security threat now. It's a clear and present danger to our country. In other words, if you excuse me, if you thought it was like problematic before that we have hundreds of thousands every month, you know, and we've millions coming in. Oh, I don't really know how we vet them. If you thought that was a problem before, what you saw in Israel gave you a reason to say, wait, it's not just a problem. Like, it's not just a worry about how we manage it. It's a clear and present danger. It is a clear danger, and it's present to us right now. And it has to be acted upon. And if Joe Biden and the Congress and others won't seal the border now, like now, today, then these are traitors to the country because there's no doubt of what's happening in the world. There's a whole segment of the country of the world, not the country. Well, and they're somewhere in the country now, but in the world that is being trained, that is being taught, that is being brainwashed. You can say it. That's being uh, uh, kind of uh, educated into hating the West and hating Christianity and hating America as well as Israel. It's not esoteric. It's not possible. It's not it's not like, oh, maybe. I mean, what I'm saying, it's, it's not like, oh, that might be possible. No, it's happening now. It's happening now. It's clearly happening now. That is what occurred. And the slaughter that happened in Israel was not eight guys going into a city and, and having even a riot. This wasn't even that. It wasn't like an Antifa thing. It was a systematic, organized effort that showed brains, money, planning, and know-how. And if you think that the people that have brains, money, planning, and know-how to pull this off, whether it's Hamas and Iran and whoever else, you can list who you think they are. I don't care. What I mean is they're not going to not do that in America when the border's open. If the border's sitting open, they're going to look at it as an opportunity. It has to be so. And here's the things. I heard someone say this today, so this is good. This is a good. It doesn't matter right now if it's true. You don't have to prove to me it's true. Now, I can look at uh, uh, Benzman's book, and I can see in Benzman's book, and I can therefore say, well, I read it. He's, you know, he lays out the facts, America's covert border war, Todd Benzman. And I can read that there are you know hundreds and hundreds of identified uh, folks of interest, they call them people of interest, I think it is, uh, uh, and th- that have been identified that have the characteristics coming from the places with the background or even having the background of, of being a national security threat. But I don't even care. I, you don't even have to prove it to me because all you need to know is if the border is open, they, they may be doing it. And so you got to close the border until you figure out what's happening. Because 
Here's what Hamas and Iran and whoever else backed Hamas did. They planned for years with lots of money. They were able to deceive lots of intelligence or compromise intelligence, uh, uh, intelligence officials in, in Israel that didn't reveal it. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time believing that the Israeli intelligence community was compromised to look the other way. I doubt that. I, I, I 100% doubt that. But there has to be some answer. And the answer is some some kind of trickery, planning, bribery, uh, just a general deception. But if Hamas, which is the, the territory that Hamas has control over, influence over, is it's 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 measured in square miles. It's not measured in uh, you know hundreds of miles. So they had brains, money, skill, discipline, deceptive ability, whatever. All these things. There's no reason that they couldn't be doing that against us. So seal the border and reinstate and the, the ban on travel from nations that have suspect uh, vetting and up your game on vetting people. At least when you come in through the airports, you've got some chance to try to see who they are. But when you come through the open border, you have no chance. Shut the borders down. And I heard someone say over the weekend, Canada's wide open. Shut Canada down, too. When you see something so dramatic, it's not uh, paranoid to say, I recognize systematic behavior by someone who counts us as an enemy. Therefore, I'm going to adjust my policies. And not forever, maybe. Might be forever. It might be for a long time, at least. But certainly now, it has to be so. If Joe Biden and 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 the administration and the Congress doesn't shut the border, seal the border 100%, then they really are traitors. They're, they're, they're traitors to America because they're just taunting the people into putting uh, into this country the fear, if not the reality, of violence. And neither one should be acceptable. Neither one should be acceptable in any way, in any way. So seal the border, Mr. President, if you really care about this country. And if you can't seal the border, you just can't be president. And I think that's, I'm being, I'm being real. If you can't seal the border under, after what happened in Iran, then you can't even, you can't be president and you ought to, you ought to step down. Let somebody else try. I mean, I don't think Kamala Harris will be any better. And I'm scared of her because I just don't trust her. But if you can't seal the border, in the face of what we've seen, what can you do? What's the use? What's the use of having a president? What's the use of being there? All right. That's what you need to know today. Uh, we will, don't forget, to uh, go visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the emails. And we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, you know, I was having a bit of an exchange. I uh, very much uh, value his uh, emails, uh, his Substack. Uh, John Droz Jr. is uh, an author. Uh, he is a physicist. That's his background. He calls himself a citizen advocate, a patriot. And uh, he's got a uh, Substack critically thinking about select societal issues. Uh, he popped up again. He's uh, very good on uh, social media, but popped up again because he was testifying in the John Eastman, Professor John Eastman trial uh, before the California bar out in California in the last week or so. So welcome back, John. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you to be here. You know, John, in a couple times in the two blog, uh, into the two substacks you wrote, you refer to yourself, you say, I'm not a lawyer. And of course, I know that's true. You're not an attorney, but you do have a lot of knowledge about the law and about election integrity issues. You've seen a lot. What's happening to John Eastman and how it's happening it it really is, I'm an attorney too. It's it, I mean it's haunting to me because it's so blatantly unfair. But as an observer of a lot of this uh, stuff for you know decades, what's your feeling? What give us a sense of what you think about what's going on? Well, I think you took my lines here, Ed. So uh, I'm done. <laughs> well, uh, what was it like to testify? You testified. All right, let week. me give you a little background here. Uh, first of all, I put together a team of experts uh, to write uh, reports about election integrity. This was within a, within two weeks after the 2020 election. Right. We put out our first report, the first report by anyone in the whole country, uh, shortly thereafter about Pennsylvania. And we subsequently uh, published 10 reports, and they're all on a webpage called election-integrity.info. So that's an important link election integrityinfo So shortly after the first couple came out, I was contacted by John Eastman. And uh, he was, of course, is uh, one of, if not the top attorneys of um, uh, Donald Trump, President Trump at that time. And uh, I think he was impressed with our reports and found them to be very uh, worthwhile, authoritative, science-based uh, commentaries about uh, what transpired. So we've had multiple conversations since then, and um, basically uh, this case, uh, I'm not a lawyer, I'll have to say that again, uh, this case comes down to one thing, and this is my layperson's translation, is that is, did John Eastman have a reasonable basis to believe that the certified 2020 presidential election results of some states were likely inaccurate? Right. That's the whole question. If he did have a base, a legal, a reasonable basis, well, then he had an obligation to do something about it. If he didn't have a reasonable basis, which is the contention of the court and the prosecutor, well, then anything he did subsequently was without basis. So I was there as one of a couple of people to uh, support the, the the position that he did have a reasonable basis. And mm -hmm. If you read part two of my commentary, I said, I think he has a reasonable basis based on three grounds. Mm -hmm. so me, I'll go into those three. Yeah, no, no, please go into them. Please, please. No, I, I think it's a, this is exactly, I mean, we're talking with John Dros and I'll put up links to his site, but I, I when I looked at your Substack, it just lays it out. And and, and what I guess I'm going to ask you after you tell me, but I'm going to say, you know, you're a scientist. You looked at the data. You're, you're not making, I mean, you have opinions on things too, but th this pretty clear, there were, forensic audits that are problematic, that you can at least make the case, an argument that there's something going on. And, and the idea that that's not being taken seriously is what makes me crazy. But but tell me about the three that you think so that people have a feeling. It's not just me reading it thinking, wow, go ahead. 
Okay. I, I, I've been really intimately involved in this whole matter for several years now. That was the first step when I, I was on the witness stand here for over 12 hours. Believe me, not, not what you'd say was a euphoric position. The biggest effort against me by the prosecutor was to say I wasn't qualified, in quotes, to be an expert. So even when I tried to discuss my own reports, uh, they wouldn't allow me to. It was ridiculous. It came down to a legal matter saying, well, the, uh, the John Eastman's attorneys had to file my name on a certain document at a certain time in a certain way. And the prosecution said, well, you, you didn't do all those things. Well, John Eastman says they did. I don't know. So that's I'm just saying that was what my part one was explaining. They tried to disallow me from even testifying. So, second of all, what what should be his case here is, again, my opinion as a non-attorney, but an election integrity expert. I think there's three arguments he has to say that he had a reasonable basis to believe that the certified 2020 election results from some states were likely inaccurate. Number one is, what were the post-2020 elections done? Well, there was only three post-2020 elections done in 2020. And... One was a, uh, a voter forensic audit done for on Nevada. Right. A second was a machine uh, audit done in Antrim, Michigan. And a third was a process forensic audit done regarding Claudia, Representative Claudia Tenney, who I, who I know pretty well. Uh, so the fact is that all three of those uh, uh, audits done by different people, done by different uh, locations in the country, done on different subject matters, all three of them failed catastrophically. Okay? So yes. the only three tests that were, only three audits, the only three meaningful audits is the key word I should say, the only three meaningful audits that were done following the 2020 election in 2020 all failed. All right? So that's right. point number Point number two is our reports. Our reports weren't uh, the same level of these audits. We have, uh, you might say, uh, uh, reports from 5,000 feet, you might say. These are statistical reports. So we don't have anybody's names. We can't make statements like fraud because we don't know the people involved. All we can do is look at statistics and say, hey, this is really unusual here. So we did three major reports prior to January 6, which is a key time date that they are making a point out, one on Pennsylvania, one on Michigan, and one we called a spikes report. The bottom line was all three of those reports found major problems. For instance, the Pennsylvania report, we concluded that there were something like 300,000 suspect votes cast in the 2020 presidential election, uh, whereas the vote differential was 80,000, 380. The Michigan reports uh, concluded there were something like 200,000 suspect ballots where the presidential vote differential was 150K. The Spikes report concluded there were something like 3 million votes for Biden that were attributable to unexplained, unexpected vote spikes. So that's a second area of expertise done right. by different people looking at it in a different way, statistical way. All of them, we, we universally concluded that there were uh, very suspicious uh, abnormalities in the 2020 election. The last part, uh, C, is what I'm calling it here, mm -hmm. uh, there were miscellaneous experts out doing their own thing, and I listed five here in uh, our part two there. For instance, like Dr. John Lott, he put together a report. Uh, Seth Keschel, a, a well-known security expert, put together a report. Every one of these other five reports 
came to the same conclusion that there were significant problems with the 2020 election. So that's three different sources of evidence. Three audits, number one, right. our, our statistical report, number two, mis- several miscellaneous election experts, number three. Uh, we're, we're talking right now with uh, John Droz about uh, his what he found in the elections and then more importantly in this application to Professor Eastman. When you, John, when you lay all this out for people and you explain it and it's to me, it's as you say, it's um, it's convincing that there's issues. You, you, you could still dig into why it happened, who did what, but there's clearly issues, which is the threshold for Eastman making an argument. When you do this, John, do you just shake your head and say these people because they ignore you, right? They ignore you and say you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. Do you shake your head? I mean, you're a scientist. Do you look at this and say these people are insane or do you think they just are willingly ignoring it? How do you feel about that? Well, my my personal belief is, is that most of this is politics. So right, it's right. not like that This is, these are intelligent people making an intelligent assessment. They have predetermined that... Whoever, in this particular case, my what I would ascertain is they don't like Eastman because he was a supporter of Trump, basically. Right. So, right. Uh, that means he's a, he's a bad guy and they need to punish him some way or yeah. other. Well, effectively, they are, unfortunately. But I got involved uh, because uh, he told me, quite frankly, that several people he asked to be a witness declined for yeah. a variety of reasons, some because they didn't want to get their name in the paper or yeah, what. Right, of course. And, uh, John, uh, John, John, unfortunately, I'm out of time. I got I got a break, I got a hard break. I got a break, but I'm going to have you back again soon, John, because it's so helpful. I'm, I haven't had talked to you in a long time. Uh, John Droz, everybody, I'll put up on social media. I'll put up in this uh, links to his stuff, and I'll have him back again. He's really helpful and courageous. I agree with him. A lot of people wanted to run away from helping Eastman. So uh, we got to take a break, though. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, my next guest is uh, my friend Peter Bierstrom, who is a member of the Bundestag, uh, the parliament in Germany. About five, maybe six years ago, he came to America to our Big Eagle Council, along with a couple of others, speaking about the future of Europe. Um, he's a young uh, legislator, a leader uh, for the party in Germany that is called the Alternative for Germany, AFD in the German language. And uh, that party in the in German system, there's uh, in their uh, p- politics, there are multiple parties, not just the two like in America. And so in the last few days, there has been a surge in the elections, the state elections in Germany. We'll talk about an AFD, which I would describe has a lot of common traits with other parties across the world, including America, that have put their own citizens first. If you say America first, well, how do you put Germany first? And so a lot of attention. So welcome, Peter, back to the show. And uh, congratulations in two big states in Germany, huge wins uh, and surging strength for your party. Are you guys, uh, how do you, how are you? How are Hi, you? Ed. Yeah, Thank yeah, you very please. much. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, we are celebrating now because uh, we become the second strongest party in both states and in, in Bavaria and in, uh, in Hesse too. We are the only party which got uh, really a huge plus. Uh, we have um, voters from all other parties, so it's a real breakthrough. And uh, in addition to that, um, 
uh, those two states are very important in the German federal system. Uh, those are one, uh, and, and uh, those are two of the biggest states where uh, a lot of industry is, many people living there. So there is also economical power behind it. So um, it's, it's really important. It was a very important election for Germany. And our party is uh, the clear winner. So I am very fine. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Peter Bierstrom, again, a member of the, uh, the legislature, the Bundestag in Germany. What's the main issue that people are feeling in Germany? Are they saying we're tired of, uh, of our leadership worrying about the EU? Uh, we're worried about the economy. What would you say are the real energetic issues people are, are feeling right now? Well, it's not about uh, the single topics. It's not about the details. In spite of the media, are always focusing on things like migration, war in Ukraine, um, heating is uh, the gas is uh, too expensive, and so on and so on. Of course, those details are important for the people. But the most important thing is, uh, and this is the same like in the U.S. Uh, that we don't have a government which is uh, a governing for the people. It's not ruling for the people. We have a globalistic, uh, globalistic government which is which is um, 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 ruling against the people. And uh, this is also the reason why we have won the election because we are populistic in a true sin uh, uh, and, and true meaning and, and uh, of the world because populus come from comes from a, a, a Greek. Uh, uh, populous the people, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's the same like in the U.S. Uh, Donald Trump was the only only the, um, president who was really populistic. He was for the working class, for the middle class, for the working people who are still paying taxes and and who wants to live a normal way, you know, with with fam where family uh, is like a father. Uh, mother and children, and not uh, and not you know fifty sexes and stuff like this. So this is uh, this is the main point. Uh, we have a globalistic government which is against the people, and we are a populistic party which is for the people. And this is uh, now coming up more and more. Uh, Peter Pistrom is our guest uh, from Germany, and uh, he is a member of the parliament there, the legislature, the Bundestag, and uh, a leader, one of the leaders of the AFD party, the Alternatives for Germany. Um, Peter, I want to finish on a topic, two topics. One, how um, the media will call you and your party names as a way to censor, and also how you're the leader of your party has actually been an assassination attempt on him uh, very recently. So tell me about this hostility in the political process. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for, for this question, because uh, it shows how the establishment, how the globalistic establishment is uh, treating uh, any opposition, you know, uh, and uh, we we have uh, in Germany a really heavy heavy violation of uh, people rights of of the rights of the opposition, and it starts on on the scale you know on the streets. If people demonstrate against the government, they got heavily beaten by the police. And uh, if they demonstrate for LGBTQ agenda, which is a pro-governmental agenda, on the same place, just one week later, the same police is friendly escorting them helping them and it's not beating them so so this this shows how how different they treating it and it's go up 
um, um, you know, if you are organizer of, of demonstration against the government, they put you into jail without the trial. Michael Balbeck, who was the leader of, uh, of um, opposition, uh, he was for nine months, just imagine, nine months wow. in jail with all the trial. And afterwards, they said, okay, sorry, we haven't found anything. You you can go. You're free to go. Uh, wow. But for this nine months, um, the, the head of the opposition, of the, the organizer of the demonstration was in jail. And hmm. it goes uh, further even to the parliament. We, we used to be the biggest opposition uh, party in the federal parliament. And we still uh, don't have a, a vice president of the parliament. Any other party has it. We don't have it. We, we don't have uh, many of important positions in the parliament. They just refusing to give us uh, those positions uh, uh, we, by law, should have. And, and it's going so on, so on. So, and what you are talking now uh, is a, a really um, a real a physical attack. And this is also one of many. Uh, I myself, I had already two attacks on my house. Uh, we have many politicians that had attacks on their houses. The cars were burned down. Uh, many colleagues of me uh, had been beaten uh, quite to death. And now Tino Krupala, he's the head of our party, and he was attacked by, with, with the injection. Nobody knows uh, who, who uh, what, what is the... What, what really happened to him, what was injected to his body, but he collapsed uh, immediately. He was in hospital for two days. And, and this is one, uh, and it was just one week after uh, the other co-head of our party, Alice Weidel, was enforced by police uh, immediately to leave her home, including her two kids and, and her partner. So they had, within 30 minutes, they had to leave the house because the police said, well, it's so dangerous. We have some information um, that there could be an attack on you and your family. So this is the situation we are facing in current Germany. Uh, Peter Bistrom is our guest. Um, I'm again, this, uh, a leader in the America, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Alternatives for Germany, AFD.de uh, is the website I'll put up on social media and, and also uh, been a voice all over uh, Europe and, and the, the world speaking on this and talking about censorship as well as the violence. And in America, you know, I think we, we see some of the violence, but I think we see the language and the censorship for, censorship for sure. Uh, very quickly, Peter, just another minute or so left. What happens in the European Union in the coming years, do you predict? I mean, can you see the wave of 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 uh, politicians who are being elected because their people want sovereignty for their states? You know, Poland and Hungary were obvious, but more and more in, in other nations, even Germany. So what do you think happens with the European Union? And this is a very good point, because this is the battle we will be fighting in the next year. Uh, the European Union tur is turning into an organization of, of globalists. Um, um, this organization is uh, trying to, uh, to get all the power. They are trying, uh, you know, to eliminate any sovereignty of any states, uh, of all states, of all member states. And this is the real fight now um, on this stage, on the European stage. 
Yeah. All right. Well, Peter Bistrom, thank you for um, uh, taking the time to talk to us. It's important in every part of the world that people are uh, stepping up to have their voices heard. And we encourage you and uh, and uh, uh, welcome your uh, coming on the radio program with us. And to talk thank about you us. very much for your value, uh, highly valuable work. Thank you that you are defeating us against the censorship. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll keep doing it. Good. Hang in there and be safe. Uh, Peter Bierstrom, everybody. Again, I'll put up on social media a link to uh, his stuff, some articles covering him and a lot more. we got to take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um, So I watched Donald Trump's speech from New Hampshire, and it got me thinking. I haven't watched him speak in a while, and it got me thinking. First of all, he's really funny. I mean, my goodness. Uh, He just has unbelievable timing. Um, He talked to his parents. He said, you know, I was indicted. can't believe I was indicted. You know, we weren't supposed to have indictments in our family. And he looked up towards heaven, and he said, sorry, Dad. Uh, It was pretty amazing. Anyway, um, but listen. Here's what I want to tell you. If you think about Trump, think about the things that Joe Biden has actively reversed, sort of actually reversed. And, and, and you know, and say to yourself, are, is Joe Biden um, immune? Are these just policy differences? Is he immune from the sort of human ego stuff that people say about politicians and maybe about Joe Biden? And what I mean by that is uh, think about the reversals. Uh, Donald Trump was able to make America energy independent, making tons of money off of energy. He had gotten the finally gotten the ANWR, the drilling in the Alaskan uh, refugee, na- National, Alaska National Wildlife Ref- Refuge, refuge. Um, he got that done, massive amount of drilling, fracking. And the country was, we were for the first time energy independent. We're making money. Cost of everything is going down, blah, blah, blah. And the, one of the first things that uh, Biden does is reverse all that. He gets rid of it. He starts he starts denying permits. He starts changing the rules. He gets rid of fracking. He says he's going to start spending down the strategic petroleum reserve. We're dependent on he switches over to windmills and things. And we're dependent on other nations who start to jerk our chain around. And we don't have as much money. Inflation goes up, up, up in part because of the price of uh, price of fuel. And my point is, that was just a reversal that he did. And maybe it was a total policy preference, but it also feels like he didn't want Trump uh, to have that success. I mean, he wanted to that he wanted to change what he had done. Here's another example. We're watching the Middle East explode and, you know, all these people taking advantage of him. one of Donald Trump's main claims to fame in terms of international was no wars, which obviously Biden is not doing that. But it's um, the Abraham Accords. And one of the things that's happened already is the Abraham Accords are in tatters. You know, this great achievement where Saudi Arabia basically said, we'll we'll coexist with Israel. We'll come up with ways we can trade. We'll come up with ways that we can function. Um, and basically, and, and that was Saudi Arabia to the table, which nobody thought in their wildest dreams could have happened. And so now you say, OK, well, and that's gone. That's just totally in tatters. Another another example of of something in tatters uh, that that uh, Donald Trump did. And to watch Trump and listen to Trump talk about these issues, 
whether it's as I mentioned, the uh, energy is is the big the biggest the bigger one, but energy, and then of course uh, Israel and, and international, and it relates to that. You realize the contrast is pretty extraordinary. The contrast is is really extraordinary to see uh, the uh, the difference uh, that's made in their presidencies um, and watching that. So again, back to back to watching Trump, you got a sense. I again, I haven't watched him in a long time. So you had you had him talking about what he bra- what he could brag about. You know, I mean, he's bragging about sorry his successes. And so you you know you get a, you know, what what are the, what are the contrast points? Another one is the military. Um, he went back, and I, you've got to figure that it's a um, an issue that is polling somewhere. The Afghanistan um, withdrawal by Joe Biden that was so disastrous. It it obviously is uh, costing a huge amount in terms of uh, people's you know uh, uh, drag on the presidency. But that's another one. Here's one. Also, the the uh, the um, Trump at the border having telling uh, Mexico we're going to have remain in Mexico catch and release, and you're going to pay for a bunch of military officers along the border. And they all did that. And he loves to tell that story. Well, that's all gone again. You talk about reversals of policies. I mean, got gone completely the other way. I mean, not even close to, you know, the reversal in terms of uh, keeping that uh, the border, but also those specifics of catch and release that was gone. Um, remain in Mexico, gone. These specific um, instances or ways that that uh, Trump acted to try to get control of thing, things and uh, and they reversed it. Let's see what else. Let me look back to my notes here. The uh, boy, it was funny to see. Um, uh, Trump in full flow, uh, New Hampshire. He he was probably an hour, an hour plus speech, and he was just rolling uh, throughout. Um, oh, the the China tariffs. Um, he said everybody told you you couldn't do tariffs on China, and he did them. And he said now uh, Biden's backed off on them, trying to give him a break on tariffs. Uh, again, that one's not as clean because I don't think Biden has rolled them all back. Uh, I think he's rolled some of them back. Um, so that one's not as clean. But my point is, if you think about things that 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 uh, Trump brags about that he did uh, oil and gas or energy independence the border um uh peace in the middle east they they feel like specific um policy areas that somehow this president was able to this president biden was able to reverse now do they sit around and say don't let trump be able to say he had the historic abraham accords it would be human nature to be that petty you may think that your presidents are not that petty, but I, 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 I believe they are. And I believe that a guy like Joe Biden especially would be you know, interested in making sure that there's not a historical record of the Abraham Accords being great. That the peace in the he wouldn't I don't think he'd say out loud that he wanted peace, uh, excuse me, war in the Middle East. But he wouldn't mind that it Trump's uh, great uh, achievement would fall fold up. I think that they would not have a problem with that. And so um, anyway, it was a great speech. You should check it out. Uh, I will try to um, make sure to post it over on uh, social media and you'll get a sense of what he is bragging about uh, and uh, and what he thinks is his successes. Uh, Trump, I mean. So there you have it. All right. And uh, listen, don't forget, go to uh, Pro America. Uh, report.com, Pro America Report.com. Sign up for the daily um email there to sign up for the email there and a lot more. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report. Thank you to Ryan Height and Mason Mohan, our producers. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Pro America report. Talk to you then.